Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Just a few quick notes, and then we're right into this week's episode, which, oof, this is one of my favorites. Uh, first things first, all patrons $5 and above get a postcard now. Uh, that's a new postcard every single month. If you're a patron and you donate $5 or more and you're listening to this, hey, make sure you update your address or else I can't send you postcards. If you're not a patron and you're interested in getting a postcard, in addition to things like bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, and other things, find us at patreon.com scp underscore pod. And now, onto this week's patrons. A big shout out to Julie Schneider, Louis N., Katie Davis, Jessica Wilson, Jenna Tudor, Matthew Statton, Alex Diesel, Jennifer Clinkenbeard, Leandra Burt, Kyle Patrick, Suzanne PC, Joao Nobrega, and Cortland Dover. Thanks, guys. Your support means the world, and it keeps the show going, and allows us to do things like making postcards, community nights, and so much more. So thanks. And now, without further interruption, this week's episode. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number, SCP-3008, Object Class, Euclid. Special Containment Procedures. The retail park containing SCP-3008 has been purchased by the Foundation and converted into site. All public roads leading to or passing by site have been redirected. The entrance to SCP-3008 is being monitored at all times, and no one is to enter SCP-3008 outside of testing as permitted by the senior researcher. Humans exiting SCP-3008 are to be detained and then debriefed prior to the administration of amnestics. Dependent on the duration of their stay in SCP-3008, a cover story may need to be generated prior to their release. Any other entities exiting SCP-3008 are to be terminated. Description. SCP-3008 is a large retail unit previously owned by and branded as IKEA, a popular furniture retail chain. A person entering SCP-3008 through the main entrance and then passing out of sight of the doors will find themselves translocated to SCP-3008-1. This displacement will typically go unnoticed as no change will occur from the perspective of the victim. They will generally not become aware until they try to return to the entrance. SCP-3008-1 is a space resembling the inside of an IKEA furniture store, extending far beyond the limits of what could physically be contained within the dimensions of the retail unit. Current measurements indicate an area of at least 10 square kilometers, with no visible external terminators detected in any direction. Inconclusive results from the use of laser rangefinders has led to the speculation that the space may be infinite. SCP-3008-1 is inhabited by an unknown number of civilians trapped within prior to containment. Gathered data suggests they have formed a rudimentary civilization within SCP-3008-1, 
including construction of settlements and fortifications for the purpose of defending against SCP-3008-2. SCP-3008-2 are humanoid entities that exist within SCP-3008-1. While superficially resembling humans, they possess exaggerated and inconsistent bodily proportions, often described as being too short or too tall. They possess no facial features, and in all observed cases wear a yellow shirt and blue trousers consistent with the IKEA employee uniform. SCP-3008-1 has a rudimentary day-night cycle, determined by the overhead lighting within the space activating and deactivating at times consistent with the opening and closing times of the original retail store. During the night instances of SCP-3008-2, it will become violent towards all other life forms within SCP-3008-1. During these bouts of violence, they've been heard to vocalize phrases in English that are typical variations of, The store is now closed. Please exit the building. Once day begins, SCP-3008-2 instances immediately become passive and begin moving throughout SCP-3008-1 seemingly at random. They are unresponsive to questioning and other verbal cues in this state, though will react violently if attacked. SCP-3008-1 is known to have one or more exits located within, though these exits do not appear to have a fixed position, making it difficult to leave SCP-3008-1 once inside. Using any other door besides the main entrance to enter the structure or breaking through the walls of the retail unit leads into a non-anomalous interior of the original store. Since containment began, 14 individuals have managed to exit SCP-3008. Following extensive debriefing, all individuals have been administered amnestics and released. Incident 3008-1 At 0037 on 2000, a human male exited SCP-3008. Followed 10 seconds later by an instance of SCP-3008-2. SCP-3008-2 caught and killed a man before itself being terminated by armed response personnel. This incident represents the only time an incidence of SCP-3008-2 has been seen exiting SCP-3008. A full autopsy of the corpse was performed. The man was carrying an IKEA-branded journal, seeming to document his time in SCP-3008-1. Transcribed below verbatim. So, I'm writing this to document what I can only assume is my sudden descent into insanity. I can't possibly be that bad of a navigator. And yet, as I write this, I've been trapped in Ikea for two days. I haven't seen another person in the entire time I've been here. That was a prank at first. Turn the place to a maze, get all the people out and see how long it takes me to get lost. Everyone has a good old laugh. Realized that wasn't the case when I tried to backtrack. Everything had changed. So I ended up lost. Instead of the exit, it was just row after row of bookcases. So, I'm trapped in Ikea. Sounds like the setup for a bad joke. Lights went out at about 10pm. Nearly gave me a fucking heart attack. That loud electrical thunk sound and then pitch blackness. Place is full of beds though and my phone has a torch on it, but no damn signal. So I found a bed and went to sleep. Spent most of the next day trying to find my way out with no luck. Did find a restaurant serving those meatballs, though. So at least don't starve. That's probably the punchline to that joke. Anyway, they were still warm and fresh and haven't seen anyone around who could have cooked them. Made my way back to the beds before the lights cut out again since it's too dark to search with them off. It's 9, 10 a.m. now. Lights came on a little while ago. 
picture of search the entire area around where I came in now, and the exit obviously isn't here. So I'm going to pick a direction and hope for the best. Day three of my magical IKEA mystery adventure. I wasn't sure that there was something seriously weird about this place before. I am now. Walked for three hours in a more or less straight line. Insert IKEA joke here. Before I came across a ladder next to one of those huge stock shelves they have around here. Climbed up to get at my bearings and it looks like this place just stretches on forever. Like that scene from The Lion King. Except instead of trees and grass, it was all shelves and tables and crap. I did see a person moving not too far away though, so I headed over. Thought it was a staff member at first. It was wearing the uniform. And hell, maybe it was. Maybe freakish seven foot tall monsters with long arms, short legs, and no faces are just the kinds of thing they want working at Super Ikea. Damn thing completely ignored me though, and with no eyes or ears, I can't even be sure it knew I was there. Thought about shoving it or something to get its attention, but its hands were big enough to crush a watermelon, so I decided against it. Just kept moving along, and eventually I lost sight of it, so I decided to carry on the way I was going. Anyway, no comfy bed for me tonight. Looks like I've entered into the improbably hard and pointy table section of the store. Guess I'll have to make do with some bunched up tablecloths. Phone battery died during the day too. Didn't work anyway. But I feel like I've lost some sort of vital lifeline. You ever see one of those cartoons where they're going through doors in a hallway and they just pop out of another door in the same hallway? That's how I feel right now. I've seen nothing but the same identical bookshelf for two days now. Just row after row, after row, after row of them. I mean, come on, I love books as much as the next guy, but this is excessive. I'm always still moving forwards, though. I can see the signs hanging overhead passing by. Too bad no one say exit. Not sure who I was addressing that question to. Let's just say it was practice for the autobiography I'm going to write when I get out of here. I'll call it my perfectly normal trip to a regular old Ikea. And if I ever get out of here. Finally found some people! <laughs> yeah! Turns out I'm not the only poor bastard trapped in here. Lucky for me, I guess. My sixth night here, two of those staff things camped me in the dark. Different from the first one I saw, but still messed up. Heard them coming. They were saying that the store was closed and I had to leave the building, all nice and polite like. Not sure which part of that was weirder, that they didn't have mouths, or that they were apparently trying to kill me while they were saying it. Came at me like rabid dogs. So I legged it, sprinting through Ikea in the dark like a fucking madman. I saw it when I cleared another stand of those giant stock shelves all lit up with torches and floodlights. They'd built a whole town in here. Got a massive vault built out of shelves and beds and tables and whatever else. I swear to God, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Anyway, I guess they saw me coming, or maybe they heard my girlish manly bellows of fear, because they had a gate open and two people were there waving me in. Heard the staff thing slam into the gate behind me as it was closed, still politely informing us all that the store was now closed. They wandered off eventually, though. 
They call the town Exchange because that's on the sign hanging from the ceiling directly above it. Exchange and returns, all lit up against the night using lights they found and plugged into the power lines. And there are beds and food and people. Over 50 wonderful people with regular sized limbs and a full set of facial features. It's now my seventh night here and the first one not spent in darkness. A full week living in Ikea. There's probably a TV show in that somewhere. Now that I'm around other people, I'm starting to feel more normal. Maybe, well, maybe normal isn't the right word. But after a week with only the sound of my own footsteps for company, I was becoming increasingly sure I'd just gone nuts. That I was tied up in some padded room somewhere, banging my head against the wall. But no, I feel quite sane now, thank you very much. Apparently there are other towns out there. Some with more people, some with less. I found that fairly mind-boggling. How can that many people go missing with no one noticing? Surely, someone would have noticed that everyone who goes to Ikea seems to fucking vanish. Or maybe it's not everyone. Maybe we're just the lucky ones. People here just call those staff monster things the staff, by the way. Apparently, they are fine during the day, minding their own business, walking the aisles. As soon as those lights go out, though, they go fucking bonkers. So during the day, people go out, find food, water, whatever else they need. Apparently there are restaurants and shops around that randomly get restocked. And no one knows how. Maybe the staff do it. Apparently they aren't very good at their jobs though because the restocking sometimes takes a while. Which means the food needs to be rationed. Maybe they weren't so busy chasing people around in the dark, they'd get more done. Anyway, when night comes, the staff go nuts and everyone holds up inside the walls. It's the same everywhere in this place, whatever this place is. The Ur-Ikea, from whence all other Ikeas sprang. Or maybe we're all just in the regular Ikea, and this is some fever dream brought on by my numbing boredom. Who knows? Been here for ten days now, by the by. Most of the people I ask say they stopped keeping track a long time ago. One guy, Chris, says he's been in here for years. Years. Apparently, there are rumors of people who do manage to get out, and of people who see the exit, only to have it vanish before their very eyes. I get the feeling not everyone believes that, but I do. Explains how I got stuck here in the first place, sort of. And I mean, come on. Staff monsters, row after endless row of high-quality Swedish furniture. I don't know why they would find a disappearing door that's so hard to believe in. I went scavenging for food at a nearby shop with Sandra and Jerry today. Once you learn landmarks of the place, it's not so hard to navigate. The overhead signs help a lot, but there are others not too far in the distance. A huge section of those giant stock shelves has collapsed against each other, and way off in the east, well, we assume it's the east anyway, apparently Ikea doesn't sell compasses, is some kind of tower that looks like it's made of wood, reaches all the way to the ceiling. Maybe they're trying to break through the roof. Lights up at night, so there must be people there, but it's apparently a few days walk, which means it must be miles away. So no one here really knows for sure. Apparently I got incredibly lucky sleeping out in the open for a week with not getting ripped to bits by staff. That's me. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Found some food in the shop. Guess the staff restocked it during the night, which was nice of them. There's a telephone on the wall, so I figured I'd try it out. There's a voice on the other end, but they were just talking nonsense. Random words strung together with no real meaning. You ever see a video of someone with aphasia? Kind of sounded like that. 
Didn't answer me when I spoke to them anyway, so... Sandra says all the phones in here are the same. I was thinking last night. The ceiling on this place is pretty high, and as far as anyone can tell, it goes on forever. Shouldn't there be some kind of weather in here? I'm sure I read about some NASA building that was so big it had some weather patterns with clouds and stuff. This place is definitely bigger than that, but now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure I've never felt so much as a temperature change in here. I'm going to add it to the grand list of weird bullshit. The staff attacked the exchange last night. Must have been 20 or 30 of them. All just asking us to leave the store, calm as you like, while trying to smash the walls down with their bare hands. Apparently this happens pretty regularly, so everyone is prepared for it. Knives from the restaurants, lawnmower blades, made hatchets, a fire axe. One guy, weighs them, even made a functional crossbow. Anyway, the walls have holes in them, which I hadn't noticed before. Specifically so we can stab out at the staff when they attack. Took a couple of them down myself. They don't seem to bleed, which is weird. But they go down as easy as a regular person once you start sticking holes in them. We had to haul the bodies away in the morning. Uh, the dead ones will attract more during the night. So we had to get them away from exchange. We have a couple of those trolley things they use to move big boxes around. So we load them up and took them over to pick up. Apparently people just name everything in here after whatever sign is hanging overhead. Pickup was grisly. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of dead staff all piled up. There was no smell, which was a blessing. In addition to not bleeding, these things don't rot either. My curiosity got the better of me while we were unloading them, so I took a look at one of the more cut up ones. They're just skin, or something that looks like skin all the way through. No muscle, no bone, no organs. Are they really even alive in the first place? They certainly seem like they have bones when they're moving around, pounding on the walls. And I'm sure I felt more resistance than just skin when the knife went in during the night. Maybe something happens to them when they die. Just one more thing on the ever-increasing list of weird shit that goes on in here, I guess. You know, something occurred to me after the staff attack the other night. Every time you see a situation like this on TV or in a film, like it's the end of the world and everyone is trapped on an island or whatever. Once groups like ours start to form, people always seem to turn on each other, fighting for food or dominance or whatever else. That hasn't happened here. Uh, people from other towns just come from time to time. Just to check in or occasionally to trade if they're short on something. But everything is always cordial, friendly even. Maybe it's a threat of the staff, or perhaps the constant restocking of supplies in the shops means there's nothing much to fight over. Maybe people are just better than they are generally given credit for. That's a nice thought. I think I'll go with that one. A dozen people showed up at the gates this afternoon from a town called Trolleys. Uh, the staff broke through their walls and tore the town apart during the night. These 12 are the only survivors out of over a hundred. We let them in, obviously. One more point in the human decency column. Later, I asked if anyone knew how many of these towns there were out there. Between us and the new folks, we managed to come up with over 20 names. 20 towns filled with people. And who knows how many beyond that? The motto for this place should be, how is that even possible? Surely someone, somewhere, must be looking for the thousands of people that must be in here. I've been here for a little over two months now. Not that much changes, as it turns out. Couple new people show up, same story as the rest of us, nice little trip to Ikea, and suddenly they're trapped in Billy's bookcase's house of faceless weirdos! 
The staff attack the exchange once or twice a week. We kill them and haul their bodies off. Sometimes they hurt some of us first. He killed a guy called Jared a couple weeks back. It was awful, frankly. Turns out regular humans still bleeding here, even if the staff don't. We tried our best, but uh, none of us are doctors. Jared was a good guy, and he deserves better. We all do. It occurred to me a couple days after that, none of us were really looking for a way out of here. I don't even know where we'd start. One of those quadcopter things with a, a camera attached buzzed past exchange today. I thought it meant that someone was finally looking for us. That help was on the way. It was not the first time this has happened, though. The same thing happened a few months ago, and everyone's still here. No idea if it saw us, too. It didn't stop. If it did, it just kept on flying until we could no longer see it. Note. Based on recovery time of the journal, this entry appears to line up approximately with our first successful test piloting a drone inside SCP-3008-1. Analysis of footage shows a walled settlement under a sign labeled Exchange and Returns. Attempts to relocate the settlement failed. Origin of previously sighted drones is unknown. I started talking to people about the stuff they missed from home during dinner today. Probably not the best idea I've ever had. Everyone seemed pretty down after that. A bunch of people here had families. Husbands and wives, kids, dogs. Franklin apparently has a pet llama, though I'm not sure I'd buy that. But some people have some seriously odd gaps in their knowledge. Three of them have never heard of the International Space Station. Two of them seem to think that sure was the Prime Minister, and one of them had apparently never heard of the Statue of Liberty. I believe them, too. They seem just as confused as the rest of us. The more I thought about it, though, the more it started to explain a few things. What if the reason no one is looking for all us missing people is because we haven't all come from the same place. This is going to sound weird, but what if all the people here have come from different dimensions? Realities? Whatever you want to call it. I've seen enough TV shows to know the drill. Sarah comes from a place where there's no Statue of Liberty. They didn't launch a space station where Wazem is from. If everyone here came from different places, even from ones that seem identical, there'd be no huge missing person panic. No mass search. We'd just be a blip. A single missing person in a world of non-stop news. Well, <laughs> that was a fun train of thought. Just realized that yesterday was the six-month anniversary of my arrival here. wonder if Ikea sells party hats. The routine around here has remained more or less the same. More new folks show up, one every couple of weeks or so. Food supplies go up and down. We've never actually had a major shortage. Occasionally, we get a visitor from one of the nearby towns, usually checkouts or aisle 630. We check in with each other from time to time, occasionally trade supplies so someone gets particularly low in something. It's comforting in a way. A reminder that we aren't alone in here. Some small glimmer of civilization. Sometimes they bring medical supplies. Apparently, there's a pharmacy a few towns down from checkouts that gets restocked every now and then, so they share what they can. I've never heard of an Ikea with a pharmacy before, but at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if someone stumbled on an Ikea organ harvesting lab. It would certainly explain the staff. Speaking of our faceless jailers, their attacks have been getting worse lately. Three or four times a week now, with twice as many staff as there used to be. No idea where they all come from, or why the attacks have increased. 
We tried following them during the day a few weeks ago, me and Sarah. Wanted to see if they led back to a staff room or something. Didn't seem to go anywhere, though. Just randomly walked through the aisles. We had to turn back before we found anything. We've been reinforcing the walls, trying to arm ourselves better. Certainly no lack of materials to use. Wazem has been making more crossbows, but it's pretty slow going. <sighs> Too bad Ikea doesn't sell guns. Note. No new personnel have entered SCP-3008 at site blank in the time span indicated in this entry. The attacks are getting bad now. Almost every night. And with so many staff that the body is almost piled high enough for others to climb up the walls. I think we're in real trouble here. Exchange is fucked. I think exchange is done. We got hit pretty hard last night. Not many casualties, but the wall is wrecked. We finally figured out why the attack's been escalating, too. The box of supplies had a chunk of one of the staff in there. No idea how it happened. But a piece of one will draw them in as well as a full body. Too late now in any case. There's too many bodies for us to haul away and still have time to fix the wall for a night. Candace has called a meeting. I suspect there will be a talk of abandoning exchange. Let me try and get sheltered checkouts or something. Sorry getting late though. I don't think we'll have time to make it. Maybe some of us will. I was fine for that first week out in the dark, after all. But then, how often can I keep getting lucky? I'm only writing this for a sense of closure, I guess. For me, or for anyone who finds this, if this is the final entry here, hope whoever is reading this is doing so from outside of this place. My biggest fear? If I do die tonight, I'll just wake up here again in the morning. Note. This is the last entry. It is assumed that while attempting to reach the checkout settlement, he was separated from the rest of his group by pursuing SCP-3008-2 instance and happened upon the exit. SCP-3008 was written by Mortos. Our host and narrator was John Grills. The Lost Logs of Ikea were read by Jesse Hall. Our music is made by the amazing Tom Rory Parsons. My name's Pacific Obadiah, I'm your sound designer and showrunner. And our producer is Tom Owen. This is a bloody disgusting show. For more information, visit bloody-disgusting.com.